listening to Closer Look. You may have heard, we need to let you go. Turns your life upside down, especially if you work somewhere that you really loved. Or maybe you're just bored right now and don't make enough money, or maybe you want to try something new. I'm Bob Dittman, and this is Closer Look. With us is Dave Sparkman of Crossroads Career Services. Dave, you know, it's emotional to be let go from a job, and looking for a new one can be pretty stressful, can it? Absolutely. One of the things we highly recommend, Bob, is that people don't go through this alone. Like many life changes, a crisis in your career or a sudden job loss is not something that is a pleasant experience. And uh, all sorts of emotions come out through that. That's natural. We're human beings. We're going to have ups and downs. And so we ask people certainly not to shy away from it. We, of course, aren't usually looking to embrace fear, but to just recognize that that is something that will come through. You know, asking why to God isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Job questioned God, right? Absolutely. David, throughout the Psalms, right, we see him questioning God on multiple fronts. And particularly if you feel that you've been unfairly treated in your prior employment, to have some anger, some bitterness, some regrets, perhaps, is a very natural thing. But we like to try to coach people to then recognize that and then turn to Scripture to channel that into a positive approach as to maybe a truly curious question. I wonder what God's up to here. I wonder what's going on as to what He has for me next in the next chapter of my life. And that's where we try to keep people pointing forward. I found throughout my career that uh, if you're looking through the front windshield, it's a lot better than looking in the rearview mirror. You've, you've got to keep looking forward. And having some help along that is what we're here at Crossroads Career trying to do. Do people who have lost jobs normally continue to hunt for new employment in the same industry? Yes. Very natural to say, well, this is what I was able to make a living doing before, and therefore I should just immediately shift and look for a new job in the same industry. Very normal. However. I believe you're not taking full advantage of the crisis that has now come into your life. What we try to do at Crossroads Career is to work with you to take a step back and look upward to see what is God up to, look inward to see, okay, what have I been shown about myself that I can learn, and then look outward to say, where could I fit in the marketplace, perhaps in a better way than where I was before? A lot of us, you know, you kind of get on the hamster wheel of employment after college and you start to get a lifestyle developed uh, with your finances and then you just keep doing the same thing. And at times I found an interruption is many times the best thing that could end up happening to a person to actually give yourself the gift of time and taking some deep breaths to say, why am I here? Where is my identity? Which we believe is hopefully in Christ Jesus that you can then do Ephesians 2.10, which is doing the works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So that's what we're trying to do is use this interruption, although it may be a rude one, to look for a longer term, greater good out of that experience. So I'm assuming that's kind of the first step. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's talk about the effects of COVID. About half of Americans who lost their jobs during the crisis didn't get to go back. And that's not all bad. I looked up some stats that show Many workers found new jobs or even better pay with higher levels than their previous employment. So some sectors of the labor market have had incredible resilience. That does mean there's reason to hope. As with anything that happens bad in their lives, there is a silver lining. That may not be easy to see uh, for some folks, particularly if you've spent your entire career, for example, in the hospitality industry. And with COVID-19, a lot of the hospitality industry has been very hard hit. But inevitably, you've got transferable skills. 
inevitably you have giftings and experiences that can contribute in a different way in a different industry. Uh, Part of the challenge is you may have been in that industry so long that you're not even aware of what you've developed and the skills and gifts that you do have. And again, that's what we're trying to help you uncover so you can go out into the marketplace with full recognition of what you've been uh, prepared to do. Our guest on Closer Look is Dave Sparkman of Crossroads Career Services, and I'm Bob Dittman. What kinds of bridges do you need for crossing from one career to another? You talked a little bit about desire, passion, maybe a different source of income. Are those some things that people need to think about? We've seen recently, even before COVID-19, the rise of a gig economy, how many people were losing faith in corporations uh, with loyalty. And so they started to look at their own skill set and saying, I don't want to rely on just one company to fulfill my income. And as we all know, America has been built through small business. And so small business after small business has been starting. And COVID-19 has been no exception to with that crisis coming into our lives, how many new small businesses have been started through the desperation. Never underestimate the power of desperation to create and innovate new things. So I think many times people usually shortchange themselves, Bob. I've found when they do their own assessment, they don't think of themselves as either worthy or skilled enough to do certain things. And the reality is their experiences, uh, the giftings that they have, their own capabilities to learn new things are tremendously deep wells for most people. And we try to help them pull back the covers on those wells and start to look inside and say, boy, there are many transferable skills that you can apply in a different area. And in some cases, it may be remarkably different. I encountered a a woman at one point in one of our crossroads small groups who was a wildlife biologist, and she had spent 18 years out with coyotes and beavers in Wisconsin looking or trying to keep tabs on them. And she wanted to go work in an office. She literally wanted to be in a cubicle. I showed her Dilbert cartoons that did not deter her. That's what she wanted. She wanted a complete about face in what she did. And as we explored those areas, we were able to see transferable skills of discipline, organization, planning, all of which could easily transfer. So transferable skills don't necessarily need to mean, well, I don't know, I I type over here and I have to weld over there. It doesn't have to be that different. There are many subtle skills that you've developed over your job life that are very easily transferred into another area. Thinking about changing careers, do you really have to start at the bottom? Is it worth it to do that? Again, it might be. There may be stepping stones to get across the pond to the longer term goal that you simply have to make. For example, if you're an elementary school teacher and you've now woken up to the fact that you don't want to teach elementary school, Let's say instead of being a a school teacher, you wanted to become a nurse or an electrician. Well, you may need to go back and get some fundamental schooling, some education in order to make that happen. You may have to start at the bottom. But again, because of what you have as I I like to call it seasoning of the uh, experience in the workplace, you may be able to move up faster than someone else who doesn't have that experience. So a lot of it is just taking a step back looking at the overall playing field that you're entering and figuring out what the best way to approach the play would be. This is Closer Look, and I'm Bob Dittman. With us is Dave Sparkman of Crossroads Career Services, and we're discussing how finding a new job or career can be achieved 
with the right tools. Now, some people who get laid off have been offered a chance to maybe go to a different part of the organization, though usually a lower level position. Is that a good strategy? It might be, Bob, depending on where you are personally with your own financial supplies. You know, what you've got as financial resources is always one thing to assess. The other thing that I found is just how much do you dislike or like what you do? There are many studies over many years that have shown the majority of Americans actually don't like what they do every day. They're not fulfilled or content in their current employment. So sometimes being offered a, a different role, even though a lower pay or a lower salary grade or position might actually put you in a job where the nature of the work is better suited for your skills and abilities. Not a fun question to grapple with, but one that may be, particularly in the area of COVID-19, one that's very worth grappling with. You look at skills that could transfer over to a different industry, maybe snag a job in something different they may not even ever even thought about. How do you help people redefine their career goals? It, It comes through some conversations and through questions and reflection. One of the exercises I like to do with people is uh, first job, worst job, best job. And if you think about, Bob, for example, in your own life, what the first, worst, and best jobs were, and if we had time today to explore what those were and why you labeled those particular jobs as first, worst, or best, you'd start to see attributes about the type of thing that you gravitate toward. It may be the nature of the work. It may be the environment that you're in. It may be the location. It may be the goals that were accomplished. Well, when you start to uncover what those are and then couple those with how God marvelously created you to be unique with your giftings, your skills, your abilities, your experiences, your passions, your core values, most of which people really haven't spent much time thinking about, you start to get a wonderful cake mix starting to be baked of the ingredients that are able to put together, which is you. And then to start to see how that may develop into just a wonderful outcome that you had never truly envisioned. I'm German chocolate cake. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Oh, with ice cream. Love that. (laughs) All right. Is the attitude towards the trades, say plumbing, electrical, construction, auto tech, maybe more of what used to be called traditional work, is that making a comeback? Absolutely. I've talked to a number of people in the in the trades industry, and they have so much backlog of work that they cannot keep up. In fact, I've talked to many of them who say they can't find skilled people to hire, which means then they're open to hiring unskilled people to train to do something different. In fact, I spoke to a gentleman who was going through exactly that experience. And he has hired a 24-year-old young man who doesn't have any of the skills in the trades, but because he can't find the skills, he's willing to invest his time to train this young man to, uh, in this case, build houses. And so there's a wonderful opportunity, if that's where your passions and interests lie, to explore something in the trades where you may not have had that potential or thought about it in the past. And just to tag on one more thing on that, Bob, many of us as adults, we've gotten used to doing what we do, and we actually close our minds to the possibilities of what we still have the capability to learn. So what we're trying to do when you have an interruption of being laid off or COVID-19 shuts down your entire industry, let's open up your mind to what you still have the capacity to do in learning new things. And that may be a trade. And something that you hadn't ever really thought about before, 
all of a sudden could be very fulfilling, very rewarding, very worthwhile, very contributing to society, but you just haven't given yourself time or the permission to think about it. We like to refer to job seekers as explorers. When you start in the very definition of exploring, you don't know where that's going to take you. And yes, you need to have a plan. You need to be organized because a job search it takes some time and takes a lot of discipline and effort. But if you also allow yourself a chance to explore what could be out there for you, we have found that God starts to open up just wonderful doors and windows for you to look through. Most people don't want to be unemployed, but doesn't there need to be some sort of relentlessness in pursuing new opportunities? I mean, is there a risk of getting complacent or waiting too long? Absolutely, Bob. And that's another thing we find is a challenge uh, many times with people that suddenly get laid off or particularly if they've been given some severance or if unemployment is meeting their needs. Uh, it's very easy to become complacent and think that, oh, looking for a job is not that difficult. Well, looking for a job could and should be a full-time job. And it takes all of the organization and discipline that your day job would have taken, except now it's in an area that you usually don't know much about. Many people go into that with fear or anger. And so we need to get through that and look at it with excitement and anticipation and in getting the help to be aware of what's out there in the marketplace. And that marketplace is changing every day. One of the things I find most often with people is when they become unemployed, the rhythm that they did have in their lives has now left. There was a rhythm of getting up in the morning, preparing breakfast, going to work, going through the workday, coming back. That develops into a rhythm. And all of a sudden, the thing that took the most time out of your day is now suddenly completely gone. So how do you organize yourself? How do you come up with the right to-do list that will keep moving you forward? How do you set reasonable goals for your job search? And what should be the measurement as to the accomplishment of those goals? What we find with uh, Crossroads Career is that engaging in a small group is many times the best way to go after it because there's other people that are exactly in the same boat as you, and they're discovering things. And so if you're not in the mix, if you're not in moving towards something, then you're not just sitting still, you're actually slipping back. How can we help support you in that movement and flow and help you really be looking in areas that maybe you hadn't considered looking that can then enable you to have that advantage in the marketplace. What about LinkedIn or Indeed? How important are those? Critically important. Both of those are exceptional tools to have knowledge of and make use of. And if you are fully employed, of course, you may not be very aware of those tools. You may, for example, have accepted LinkedIn contacts, but never explored the power and the breadth of what that tool in particular can do for job search. Indeed, it's the same way. So those two are in the forefront of different websites that we refer people to and tools that we encourage people to use. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. You're a faith-based organization. I'm sure you're counseling people to lean on God and to help them to find a new job or career. But where do you draw your biblical inspiration for what you do? You're right, Bob. We do look into scripture quite a bit for the source of what we're trying to do at, at Crossroads Career. Our uh, key verse is Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared beforehand that we should do. If you look at different translations of the verse, the word poema is used, that we are God's masterpiece. 
And every individual that he has created on this earth has unique skills, abilities, makeups, gifts, passions that we believe are those unique combinations that have equipped them to do certain things. How do we help people to discover that? How can they look to God and lean into God at this point in time where they may not know the answers and then literally put their trust in him for where those answers will come from? So Ephesians 2.10 is, is one of the verses that we look at quite a bit. And one of the things I like most about the workbook that uh, was created over 20 years ago is that virtually every page has a scripture verse on it as the source of truth. So we do have a lot of practical and tactical HR and recruitment advice, but it's all grounded in scripture. Tell us a little bit about the organization. What's the history? The history is uh, 33 years ago, Brian Ray, who's one of the co-founders of Crossroads, saw a need that when he became unemployed, he found that there was also a miniature crisis of faith. You know, where will I put my trust? Do I really trust God in everything in my life to lead me to the next adventure? And uh, Brian became through that an executive recruiter and started to see that many people did not know what to do when they were laid off or when they were unfulfilled in their work. And so over a period of time, he and uh, multiple uh, helpers in local churches developed what is now the workbook created for good works. And it uh, resulted in a seven-step process that was grounded on the topic of love. First, we want to look upward and love God completely. We want to then look inward and love ourselves correctly. And then we want to look outward and how can we love others compassionately. So with that framework, seven steps developed. And in his experience as a recruiter, certainly my experience in a career of HR makes complete sense from a marketplace perspective of how do you look upward, see what God may be telling you, listen for him, and how do you check out your attitude, and, and how do we get adjustments perhaps in that? And then we need to look at your aptitudes. What were you built to do? And all of us are unique. And then we start to say, uh, a good, in good old faith alliteration, what's your altitude? How do you start to prepare your resume to get out in the marketplace? Then we want to start the search of looking around through networking. Uh, networking is statistically proven to be getting better results than just filling out applications. And then you need to go through the search with interviews, and we try to equip you on what questions would be asked and how you can best present yourself. And then ultimately, you're going to get an offer. And then you need to select what that offer could be. And we have coaching available on compensation and negotiation as to what employers typically do and how you as a candidate might be able to respond to that. Outward. This is something that caught my eye. How is focusing on the outward helpful? We find that a lot of people, when they start to think about getting a job, most of their attention, Bob, turns inward. Fear is a big one. You know, what will the other people think of me? I am afraid to go out and meet new people. I don't know where to go. There's all sorts of doubts and fears that cloud their mind because they're looking inward. And so we encourage people to look outward and have a mindset shift to say, how can I serve other people compassionately through my job search? So when you network, for example, yes, you're going to want to extract information and help from the person with whom you're networking, but you can also contribute to that person's day and things that they may need, not in exchange, but just out of an act of service to them. So you have an opportunity to minister to others. And so we like to try to shift that mindset of we're not here to just get, 
we are here to give. And we believe scripture teaches that throughout our lives, no matter what we do. So we believe it should also be there as part of our job search. So that's part of the upward part. Learning to hear God's calling is pretty crucial. Yes, absolutely. How should a job seeker prep for the interview process? First of all, we believe, Bob, that you want to go into that with a prayerful attitude and to really bathe that upcoming interview in prayer. We then encourage people to actually prepare. Uh, It's amazing how many times that uh, attention to detail is not there. And in today's environment where many interviews are done with a camera versus in person, whether it's planning ahead of time so you can have a quiet background without a dog barking or a kid in the background, that's a challenge. And so to really prepare and think about what that environment would be that you're interviewing with is vitally important. Another area of preparation is making sure that you're very familiar with what you've told the company either through the application or the resume. I've interviewed people in the past where I've asked them a question about their resume, something, of course, that they prepared, they gave to me, and they didn't know the answer. And it wasn't a trick question. It was simply looking for an explanation of what something on their resume meant. So to be fully prepared is very, very important. Being comfortable, maybe that's part of it too? Absolutely, Bob. It's amazing how many times our posture affects our thinking so even as we're talking here today, I, I'm sitting currently, but I'm trying to be very erect and good posture to have energy flowing through. Occasionally, I'll stand because we physiologically have better energy when we stand. Oftentimes, when I'm doing an interview, and you can do this with a Zoom interview, you will see yourself in a little picture. And of course, are you smiling? We forget that our body language can still be conveyed through a camera pretty much as well as it could be when we're in person. We don't want to underestimate the articulation of our words along with our body language. Well, how do you process losing your job in your own mind and heart so you don't end up making a bad impression on a new prospective employer? That's a great question, Bob, and one that people wrestle with quite a bit. We all make first impressions. First impressions can be assessed, I think science says, in about seven seconds or less. So when you come into a room, I always liken it to the old Peanuts cartoon of Linus. And then you had Charlie Brown, you had Pigpen that was walking around. There was always a trail of dust and it was easy to pick out Pigpen. And the same is true for a person with a negative attitude. If you're dealing with some leftover grief, some stress, some anger, even fear about this ongoing search, it's not hard to pick that out, even though you may think that you've camouflaged it pretty well. In fact, at Crossroads Career, that's one of the steps that we go through is trying to help people deal with their attitudes, recognizing that from out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Unless you do some internal work along the way, your external things that you say or how you present yourself will not be as positive as they could be. You're in the middle of an interview, say, and the question comes up about salary or benefits, or even if it doesn't, maybe I should ask about that, or do I need to know that information? What's the right time to mention it? There are two times that compensation will be discussed. First is very much upfront as part of the screening process. The recruiter or the HR manager or the hiring manager will want to know whether your salary expectations fit within the range that they're prepared to pay. If you simply don't give an answer to that, you, in effect, don't pass go and you won't have further conversation. So you have to give them an answer. And as part of Crossroads Career, there's a number of steps we go through to help you prepare what your range will be based on what you're interviewing for. 
The second time that you talk about compensation should only be after they love you. If you get an offer, that's wonderful, but there are multiple other steps you can do to encourage them to truly love you, even to the effect that they just got to have you. That's when you want to talk about compensation. So if you think about any negotiation you've had in your life, when you've got to have something, we're almost all willing to pay more just to get it over with and to move on. And that's what we're trying to encourage through the interview process. And there's a number of steps that we coach people through in that to help enhance the idea that the future employer will love you, not just like you. So how might someone resist not just jumping at the first offer that comes along and really seek out a good fit? That's a great question, Bob. It's very, very difficult not to take the burden in hand versus thinking there may be one in the bush. And I've seen that the struggles that people go through with that, and that goes all the way back to the beginning of the job search where you become much more grounded in what in who you are and what you're looking for with objective filters that you can start to answer so that when you get to the very subjective emotional side of making a decision, you're able to look back at those objective factors that you clarified before you became emotionally entangled with a potential employer to really look at whether it meets the criteria. This phrase is used quite a bit when laying off someone, you're just not the right fit. That drives us all crazy. What exactly does that mean? Well, there's two sides of that equation. Do we really know who we are? So when we're looking to fit into an organization, we actually know how we're calibrated and how we're made. And so Coming up and knowing what that is subjectively is very, very important to sorting through the offer that you receive and being able to evaluate whether you should wait. I would couple that, of course, with prayer to earnestly ask the Lord, is this where you want me to be? Is this where my mission field will be? Or is there a different place that you have prepared? And again, that's where help and coaching come in. Uh, getting wise counsel from a friend, looking and giving yourself some time to think about it. I know some people who have immediately accepted the offer on the phone. I would say that that is absolutely not the right way to go about accepting an offer. I would encourage people to graciously thank the employer for making the offer and asking for a couple days to think about it and reflect on it and get some counsel from other people as to not only the attributes of that job offer, but also there's a lot to be said for just sleeping on it and waking up the next day, seeing what the Holy Spirit may be prompting you to do. So, Dave, now you have the job. What's the best thing you can do to get your new position off to the best possible start? The very best thing you can do, along with ongoing prayer for that new job, is to get expectations very clear about what you're expected to do. What I've found throughout my career, Bob, is that expectations management is usually the downfall of most people with their supervisor. To aid you in that, we have another little booklet prepared called New Job Jumpstart that's available on our website. That booklet is filled with tips and tricks on things that you could think about and uh, have a discussion with your supervisor, making sure your expectations are clear with metrics associated with those expectations is absolutely the best thing that you could do. Dave, is there anything you'd like to add before we kind of wrap this thing up? Sure. Just acknowledging that going through a layoff is a very painful process. All of us at Crossroads Career have been that, and we have a huge burden to help people. 
when you go through that pain and that hurt, many people, when they encounter that, start wondering and asking themselves a lot of questions, usually involving faith. Why did God allow this to happen? What's going to happen to me? Doesn't God care? And the answer to all of those things is God does care immensely. He loves us. He's prepared a way for us. Yet he's given us those choices to explore and to find some things out. So I just encourage the listeners not to go through this alone, to reach out and to engage with their friends and family and along with Crossroads Career Services as to how we can best support you through this life change. If somebody wants to reach Crossroads, what's the best way to do so? Best way to do so is through our website or our mobile app. We have a mobile app at crossroadscareer.org. And there is a wealth of information, blogs, videos, webinars, resources. They can get the workbook. They can get that new job jumpstart I mentioned. Uh, All of that is available on the website. And we encourage people to reach out. And there also are local ministry partners that we have through many churches throughout North America where they may be able to find one of the groups that meet and join that group. Well, thanks, Dave, for being our guest. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. Dave Sparkman of Crossroads Career Services has been our guest on Closer Look. I'm Bob Dittman.